0: what is up welcome back to big fat five a podcast financially supported by big fat snare drum this week's guest is everybody's favorite drummer ryan seaman ryan has been on my wish list of guests for a while now and surprisingly enough we were able to finally work it out while i'm on the road when it's the hardest time to schedule people Anyways, Ryan has played with so many amazing artists throughout his career, especially in the punk rock scene, but his current project is called I Don't Know How But They Found Me, often called IDK How, featuring himself and Dallin Weeks. Ryan is one of the most likable guys out there, and I look up to him and how he's navigated his career in many ways. I know I say this about every guest, but I really enjoyed this chat ryan and i have a lot in common when it comes to our background as drummers and it was just an easy chat so go check out his band idk how they're awesome and he really is the kind of person you want to see succeed so please enjoy my chat with ryan about the five records that shaped him into the player he is today cheers So I usually avoid this question on this show because it doesn't really fit the format. But it seems like everyone knows Ryan Seaman. Everyone loves Ryan Seaman. I always see you out at a show or dinner with someone or playing with someone. And we do get a lot of people with Big Fat Snare drum to ask, like, the advice on networking in L.A. You would seem like you are the epitome of a dude that does that. And I mean that in the good way because it seems like you actually have genuine relationships with all the people that you interact with. So... How do you navigate that? What how do you prioritize what nights a week to go out? How often do you get alone time? Because it seems like you never do. Um, No, that's
1: that's a really good question. But I just think that like if you want to be, you know, a working musician, this just has to you just have to integrate it into your life. You can't just uh you can't just think that things are gonna happen for you, you know? You have to literally do it yourself. Um, it's not always the goal though, because I feel like you know, when you work with somebody, you want to make sure that you, you know, you want to make sure that they're going to be cool anyway, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like it's just always been ingrained in me. I I mean, I mean, dude, I've been going to show since I was like a teenager and just mm-hmm. like talking to people and learning and everything. So how do I have time for it? I guess I just, I go to the shows I want to go to. I, I hang out with people that I want to hang out with and I just kind of do things on my own time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the, that's the best way I can describe doing it. But, uh, I try to prioritize my days because, you know, there's nothing worse than uh, working for, quote unquote, the man. And so I try to make every day count for me, you know, and it's not even necessarily like networking. It's just people that I want to want to be around. But I mean, like, look, everybody comes to L.A. because they either want to be an actor or a musician. They want to work in entertainment. They want to have some sort of, um, you know, facet in the industry. And so um, I've been out here for almost 20 years now, but I just feel like you just integrate it. That's Mm -hmm. it. Like, go, I, I love going to shows anyway. I love yeah, hanging out yeah, with people. I'm, I'm, in, I'm an extrovert. What can I say? You know, that's basically, that's, that's my, my deal. You know, but this, is, this is how I, I got here. You know, I just, there's, there's, no, there's no formula. There's no like, well, if you do this, this will get you here. It's just like, uh, I guess what I could try to say is that nine times out of 10 bands fail. And the wow. ones, one in 10 that uh, don't fail were the ones that were too stupid to stop. And so I'm too stupid to stop. So I just keep <laughs> going until I can't anymore. And that's, that's it for me, you know, that'll
0: be on your epitaph.
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> Too stupid to stop until now. Right. Um, well, let's just get into your, uh, your influences. And I know I apologize. Well, I'll, I'll ask you this. What was your mindset going into this? Were you stressed out that I only gave you the option of five or were they super easy?
1: I, I was. You I, so, so the, the list I gave you was just everything that kind of formulated my drumming in my early years, I guess you could say. Yeah. I mean, dude, I, I literally, so, I mean, when I was growing up, I didn't have any siblings. I didn't re- I had to move around every single year. I never went to the same school twice until, uh, until I moved to Salt Lake city or mm-hmm. until, until I moved to park city, actually, when, you know, houses were affordable and when it was like a, you know, suburban life now, now you can't even get a house now up there unless you pay like a million dollars. But, um, I, yeah. So like my family always tried to like, you try to move to like good places where, you know, I could like go to a good school and everything like that. But my dad was a cinematographer. And so. I just kind of had to like really be interested on my own accord, you know? So like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of put it in kind of like a chronological order of like how I found uh, the bands. Yeah. You know? So like, I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get, we'll get into it. But what I was trying to say is I I didn't have any siblings. I didn't really have anybody to pave the way for me. So I kind of just like found the stuff on my own. And then once I found like my punk rock community in Salt Lake city, I just kind of just stuck with it. you Mm -hmm. know. So, well, they're really fun drum parts to play. I mean, they, they are there in some, some of them, I mean, some, some of the stuff I've given you, like, I mean, I, there are honorable, honorable mentions on there, but like, I just, uh, you know, there's some stuff I listened to today where I'm like, how the hell did he play that fast? You know, like, um, Derek Grant from, uh, alkaline trio. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, he must've been doing some sort of something back when he was, uh, playing drums with the suicide machines. I don't know if you've heard that record, uh, destruction by definition, but oh my God. I mean, that was like one of the first, uh, CDs I went into like a record store and bought maybe like 97 or something mm-hmm. No, it, it was it was when like the skate punk thing was like really happening and it was like when warp tour was like really big on on the punk rock but but back then too it was like it, the faster it was uh the better it was for me meaning sure. like i just i just always wanted to play fast when i was a kid i just had so much energy so
0: yeah um, punk rock i don't listen to it a lot but if i want to go get a sweat on in the studio that kind of stuff 100 percent
1: yeah, I don't listen to it a lot now, but I mean, this, the, we're talking about the five albums, and these sure. these are the albums that like, brought me up. You know, absolutely, life. man. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one should ever
0: be ashamed or have to, you know, uh, explain their the reason why they listen to the records they any record they've ever listened to. Oh, but for um, sure. for sure. But uh, I mean, great one to start off with. The album's "Hard Days Night," released here is 1964. The artist is, of course, the Beatles, and the song is "If I Fell," which is such a beautiful song. The drummer's, of course Ringo. So yeah, take it away. Talk a little bit about it. Where you were when it came into your life, and then we'll listen to about a minute of it. Um, okay, go ahead.
1: I, I was probably, I would say at this point, maybe like eight or nine, and my my parents just always like uh, immerse me in watching Beatles movies. Mm-hmm. So like we we get around and watch like Hard Days Night and Help and uh, you know Yellow Submarine and just my my parents were huge Beatles fans, so they they brought it into you know my you know, repertoire, I guess. And they just, you know, I, I was just always like tapping on things and I was like a little kid and I was like, you know, four or five or whatever. And so, um, by the time I was like eight years old, the parents asked me if I wanted to go get drum lessons, if, if that's something that would interest me. And so, uh, I did. And that was one of the first songs I got to learn on drums. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty, I mean, it's, it's a pretty easy song if you're just trying to uh, play the drum kit for the first time, it's like a pretty good introductory song for,
0: was that your choice or was that the drum yeah. teacher's choice? Okay.
1: It, it was actually, it was actually my, it was, it was my choice. It was pretty slow, but I mean, I think I was in like second grade when I, when I learned the song, you know, for the first time, but he was, you know, he was trying to get me like the first thing I ever learned on drums was like a paradiddle. Mm. So he wanted to see if I knew how to do anything, you know, just like, okay, so I want to see if this kid's even met to like play. So let's, let's work on this this week. And so I'd come back and then I, you know, I had a paradiddle down. He's like, okay, now let's work on like, you know, one, two, three, and four. So like, you know, kick and snare on the one and three, and you know, stare on the two and four and then and then the eighths on the on the hat. So I learned all that. And then he's like, okay, I think you're ready to like start trying to learn songs. But um, you know, I was gonna say too, with with learning drums, I don't think I actually understood how to learn drum like actual drum parts until I was like eighteen or seventeen. I would just like listen to things and just try to play along with it, you know, but I wasn't actually like dissecting each, you know. Part of a of a song, you mm-hmm. know, and then so now, and then I don't even think that really, yeah, that didn't happen till I was like a late teenager. I'm like, oh, I have to play like every single thing perfectly, yeah. because you know, <laughs> when, 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 yeah, <laughs> when a crowd's watching you, they're not. I mean, at least in my experience, when a crowd's watching you, they, they're not like, oh, that guy, unless we're like drummers. Oh, that yeah. guy didn't hit that one fill, or that guy, unless it's just like, unless it's just calls for you know, unless there's a specific part mm-hmm. that just like really drives home. But it's just like, like for example, this, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get there later, but like. uh talking about like green day, like green day, for example, they're like one of my favorite bands of all time. Yep. So, um, you know, I didn't really start to like listen to what anybody was really doing. Like if there's like a drum solo on a song, I'd be like, wait, how did they do that? I keep like rewinding and I keep like, you know, trying to ingrate, you know, grain in my memory. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't think I really started doing that until I was like a late teenager. All I would do is I would just come home every day after school and just play along. Like I was like in the band or something, you know, by myself. I had
0: my mirror set up next to me so i could watch myself i was yeah i had it all in my head i was the rock star oh yeah (laughs) because
1: i wanted to look cool you know what i mean right sure i was just like playing drums every single day from about like second grade until i don't know like seventh or eighth and then that's when i started like making bands Mm -hmm. and then playing out and everything So, so yeah i started really playing out like late middle school early high school well, let's listen to
0: it. And speaking of fills, this this fill going into it, da, 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 you definitely need to nail that fill. That's yes, if you're ever going to cover it. Yeah. So yes. here's, uh, here's yeah. If I Fell. If I fell in love with you, would you promise to be true and help me understand? Because I've been in love before and I found that love was more than just holding hands. If I give my heart to you I, must I love that he comes in with the snare but then he goes to cross stick right away
1: yep. that yeah that's actually the first time i learned cross stick yeah
0: if i trust in you All right. So number two, we were just talking about it, but it's Dookie This is the album release. Here's 1994. The artist is Green Day. The song choice is Burnout and the drummer is Trey Cool. Um, so, yeah, take it away. And then I'm assuming you might want to play that like the drum solo part of it at the end or.
1: Yeah, I guess like how I found them is I was like at a at a CD store with my dad. And uh, at the listening station, they had Green Day Dookie. So, you know, a long time ago, you could go to a CD shop. I know CD shops, weird, right? And they had these things called listening booths, right? And then they have like the CD there. And you could listen to the whole album if you wanted to at the listening station. They had like maybe 20 of them at this place called CD Warehouse. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they had the picture. It just said Green Day and it had like the cartoon and and a little monkey with like, you know, shit in his hand saying throw. I don't know if I could swear on this, but <laughs> you can. Says, okay. So it says like uh, throw, you know? And so I, I, it was just like a bunch of chaos happening. I'm like, what is this? So, um, so I heard it and I was like, I never heard anything like this in my entire life. I thought it was basically like punk rock Beatles. Mm-hmm. You know, I swear, man, I, I wore the shit out of that CD. I did scratch to hell. I would listen to it every single day. So I started on that. And then, you know, my parents knew that I was like taking an interest of just like playing really fast and aggressive. And so then they were like, hey, maybe we could put you in some sort of like, you know, the equivalent to a school of rock that they have today. I went to a thing called the Colorado School of Music for a second. And you know, it's funny. I still keep in touch with um, one of those people that was in, in the band at the time. And they, they, they basically would put us in the band and they would uh, have us like learn covers. So we learned like, and there's Sam and, you know, like Metallica. And then we'd have mm-hmm. to like, we'd all jam together and we, we did like a little show. So like my first show ever was in Denver. So we had to learn like nirvana is like about a girl mm. we learn basket case and we learned just just like you know like offspring like come out and play just like things like that that were like popular at, at the time and so i was saying though that the, the guy that uh that i'm still friends with in the band he like works out in la like he's he's like a sound guy at echo and he tours with like the aquabats and he's like, he's like a legit sounded t- tours with like oliver tree so oh I'm wow somebody. okay yeah so really cool guy, but it's just weird how, where, uh, where life takes you, you know? Yeah. So I was, I was in fifth grade when that happened. We were, uh, we put together the band. We were called uh, squirrel Flem, right? <laughs> nice. That was the, that was the name of the band. And so all we did was covers, but, uh, but th- I mean, learning all the, like this green day stuff, like open my doors to so many other things. So my parents enrolled me in like, to like a, like a music school, you know, like I put that in quotes, you can't really see me, but yeah. So I guess green day was like the, you know, the path that I, I took. And, and music, just because you know that's that's what I was into at the time. I'm, I'm still in the in the Green Day, but I'm just saying that like they they are the ones that truly opened the door for everything else. Beatles opened the door for just me liking music, and then Green Day was the band that just made everything else happen.
0: Um, all right, well yeah, let's just play Burnout. And so, like I said before, there is kind of this Trey Cool kind of vamp at the end. So I'll start maybe with like a minute left in the song and we'll go from there. That's
1: why, that's why I picked the song because I wanted everybody to hear how gnarly the solo was for like, you know, um, at the time, a fourth grader listening to, you know, an aggressive punk rock band for the first time. Yep. You know, I mean, like I, I wasn't old enough to go to shows. Everything I found was either, you know, on like MTV or you physically had to go to a record shop or, you know, maybe, maybe people at school would be talking about it. Mm hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's how I got into all this stuff, man. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right. Well, here is, here's Burnout. Actually, no, I want to start. So
0: this is the first song on Dookie and I do want yes. to at least start it because it does start with a drum part as well. So let's just play that and then I'll go forward. So here
1: yep. we go. I I no <laughs> all right,
0: there we go. All right. Now let's go The <laughs> It's just so good. All right. Here's the yep. ending of it. The third and fourth, I rip off those so much, because I'm my, as a kid, the third one is the coolest one. And then at the very end, he like goes over the bar line and hits that on the two. Yep. So good, dude. So, so good. Hey, y'all. I wanted to... <laughs> I can't say. I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible it's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And Preston, actually, this is why it's called the ocean patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his his you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through. The episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at BigFatStandardrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat 5. I want you to get back to the show. But go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour. And I didn't keep it and i regretted it ever since then just because i was trying to pinch pennies at the time and i just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye
1: have you ever met trey it seems like you would you know what? I, I did, but he pro- again, it's one of those things here where he probably wouldn't remember me. Um, I was just so the one that I that would probably know me the most, even though he seriously still really doesn't know me at all, and I don't blame him at all, you know, because uh, life is crazy. But uh, Mike Durnt, I've met him okay. probably three or four times now. Every time I meet him, I always like remind him of like the time I met him before or whatever. And then he, he remembers usually. <laughs> okay. You know? but, yeah, but now I, I've, I've befriended uh, Kevin Preston, who plays guitar for them. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's like a hired, he's like hired guy for them, but he's, he's like in some of their side projects, but we, we just like kind of met just being out in, in the town and he, he likes IDK how. And so, um, so we, we became friends that way. I met him in an art show a long time ago. And so, yeah, we've kept in touch. And so we actually did a show with, uh, with Green Day recently in Singapore. I, I shouldn't say with them, but we were on like the same day at this like F1 racing thing in Singapore. But uh, I got to go watch them afterwards. I, I said, you know, I said hi to them like at the airport. We had the same flights going there and back, so that was kind of cool. Um, but no, I've never met, I've never met Trey really. I met him one time. I had to. It, it, it's a whole story in itself, but we didn't really get to talk drums. We just were uh, standing in a circle, uh, smoking weed, <laughs> passing around uh, a joint, and that was probably like 11 years ago. You know, I mean, years that's ago. a fun way to have met Trey. Cool. So no, it was it was it was totally awesome. But I mean, like I I basically uh, one of my friends uh, at the time. name is Jesse Mallon he was playing a show at the Bowery Electric and I remember afterwards yeah this is like 2009 or 10 but I remember standing in the crowd there was like you know a couple hundred people but I see I see Billy Joe like out of the corner of my eye and I'm like holy shit that's that's Billy Joe you know and so I was gonna go say hi to him and then uh he went backstage and there was no security anywhere and I knew Jesse of course so I was just like you know what I'm gonna go backstage fuck it just walk back there. Like I own the place. And then everybody looks at me like, what is this kid doing back here? <laughs> and I just freeze in my tracks. I'm like, Ugh. and then Jesse's like, Hey Ryan, what's going on? And then I was like, okay, cool. That's my, that's my introduction to, to getting to hang out, I guess. So like my girlfriend at the time and I were hanging out back there for a good, like half hour and just talking to them. So, I mean, I remember him being very nice and, be- and very, funny. Yeah. So, um, no, we unfortunately didn't get to talk about drums. That would be so rad if that were to ever happen. But, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, going back to the F one thing, I remember this last, this past weekend because I am still on Instagram. As I remember, uh, Tosh the drummer, Tosh Peterson, they had him they had him put a shirt on, which he was pretty upset about when he played. So
1: yeah, I actually got to meet him backstage at that at the Green Day thing. Um, he was just like chilling i mean we we were we were instagram friends i didn't really like know him though but i went up to him i was like hey man like i'm ryan i you know we follow each other and he's like oh dude and so then we ended up hanging out for like an hour and he's just like a really sweet kid he's got a, he's got a uh, he's got a bright future ahead of him that's all i know <laughs> you know yes he does i had no idea that his dad was a drummer at, at one time for uh, the english beat did you know that i knew his dad was a drummer but i didn't know the specific band no yeah yeah he played for the english beat i guess for for a little bit so i thought that was kind of rad you
0: know, Tosh is also if for anyone listening. He has been on guest on the show, I think maybe a year ago. So go check that episode out. Tosh is amazing. Yeah. Um, but all right. Number three, the album's Nevermind. Released here is 1991. Artist is Nirvana. The song choice is in bloom. The recording of this is Dave Grohl. And uh, yeah, take it away.
1: So this kind of goes back to my story about how I found Green Day. But then my parents were like, hey, let's enroll you in like a, uh, you know, a music school. So and that, that, that's, that's how I found out about Nirvana and then I did a deep dive but Nevermind was my, my favorite of uh, the Nirvana discography you know mm-hmm. I, th- I think. tell me if I'm wrong I think that's the first record that, that Dave was on right yeah
0: he's only on two of them he's on
1: Nevermind yeah, and in, in, in in, utero in yeah. yeah so like just even hearing that I just again powerhouse drummer there's so many songs I could have picked but I just remember watching um, I remember watching M. Bloom like really late on MTV one night in my room and i was like this band's awesome they're just like racking shit and kind of making fun of the whole like ed sullivan you know late night yeah And just just big drums you know like the big 14 inch rack tom and like the 18 inch fort you know it just sounded huge i found out about nirvana i think right as kurt cobain died that's mm-hmm. when i found out about him. but i but i listened yeah but i was like yeah at this point i was in sixth grade or something like that and i just again i would just come home every day after school i'd be playing nothing but like green day and nirvana and i play like smashing pumpkins they didn't make the list but still i mean jimmy chamberlain super badass but um i'd be playing along to those records like every day when i come home from school basically if if it had guitars and it was on mtv at the time that was my (laughs) that was my scope so um but yeah so i thought Bloom was a great choice because he just wrote such an iconic you know drum fill going into a song
0: all right well here is uh here's in bloom Well, even that as an example, when he goes into that downbeat of the beat, he only does one bass drum, and then the rest of them are boom, boom, tap. Yep.
1: No crash either going into the verse.
0: Did you know that he actually didn't write that
1: drum part? You know, I I did learn that much, much later. And I was like, really? (laughs) But he he did it. Even when, like, I'll I'll say this too. Even when, like, I'll I'll get things from artists, like if I'm going to, like, do, like, a session or something. They'll send me, like, a file of, like, maybe, you know, some kind of drum, something that they wrote. and Or they might be like, I don't know what I should really do here. Maybe you can help me figure this out. Mm -hmm. But then because I do it, and this is this is like when you're writing a song too, then it becomes mine. Like on a mix of, of a song, it's like maybe some guy mixed the song, but then they give it to somebody else. They tweak maybe a few things, and then now it's their mix. Now they mixed it. You ever notice that? 100% <laughs> music. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so it's, it's just it's ridiculous. But what I was going to say is that, like, uh, I think that's really cool because, you know, a lot of times, man, people don't care who wrote it. They care who performed it. Yeah. You know? And Dave Grohl performed the shit out of that. Yes, he did. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, so ever since then I was hooked on, on, Dave Grohl and he's just always been a powerhouse hitting drummer. And also I didn't know this either, but do you remember this, this, uh, Beatles movie called backbeat? Remember that it was about the Beatles when they like, um, when they were playing in like Hamburg, Germany, like in the early days, like before Ringo Starr got involved, it was like Pete Best and, uh, Stu Sutcliffe, you know, they're playing. Um, it's like, it's like a story, like some of it's like fictitious, some of it's real, whatever. So like this movie called backbeat. And then I got the soundtrack and years later I looked on the back and it was like, cause it's basically them performing Beatles songs, but on the back it said drums by Dave girl. So I was just like, Holy <laughs> shit!" that makes them that much cooler to me now. You know, you yep. like this whole entire soundtrack of like songs that were in the movie, but it was all Beatles songs, but it was performed by, you know, said artists. So yeah, I thought that was really neat.
0: All right. Number four. And this one, I do not know a lot about Refused. I've had a lot of bandmates that it's some of their favorite bands. So, uh, really? I'm excited to. I know, I know. That's the response I get a lot. But this is the album, is The Shape of Punk to Come. The release here is 1998. The artist is, as I said, Refused. The song is New Noise. And it's uh, David Sandstrom. Is that how
1: you pronounce it? All right. So, go ahead. So, I found this band because, you know, when I was growing up, I started to get into hardcore music when I was like um, maybe like a junior or senior in high school. So by the time I found out about Refused, they had already disbanded. And so again, I would go to my local record shop and I would rely on the record people, you know, the people that were working there or, you know, co- they, they used to have these things called compilations. Mm. So I would find bands based on that too. Cause you could, so it's like, wow, I could buy, you know, a, 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 an album with like 28 songs on it <laughs> or something, you know, for like, 10 bucks and then i get to listen to one song from each band and then decide if i want to go buy that record or not so like um epitaph records and like fat records and like hopeless and fearless these are all these are all things i was really into growing up like those are the ones that were feeding me music because i was so integrated into going to shows and you know my friends were like oh have you heard of this band oh you'd love this if you like that you know so i grew up in like this the the salt lake punk scene and there's only like so many places that that you go check out music and so you know, and the Warp Tour was like this. Was like when Warp Tour was like a punk rock festival. But I remember getting handed like this thing called Punkorama, mm. you know, walking out or whatever. And I would be like, "What is this?" And so I started like collecting all of those. So it was like my dream to be on like a Punkorama compilation. Years later, I would get into a band that was on Epitaph, but um, it, that that band was called I Am Ghost. But we would we would then be the first band on a new compilation called Unsound. So we didn't make it to the Punkorama compilation. I think they put out like. You know, thirteen or fourteen of them. Basically, they just put it one out like every single year. Yeah. So, I mean, all all good things must come to an end at some point. But um, yeah. So I remember getting this uh this album. It was Punkorama Four. It, it wasn't it wasn't the song I'm about to show you. I'm showing you this song because this is the most like popular Refused song. But it has like really cool drum parts throughout the mm-hmm. whole thing. Um. But I remember first hearing it. I was like, why is this band on Punkorama? Like this doesn't sound like anything else that's on here. I'm not a fan of it. Whatever. And so I kind of shunned it for like a couple years. And I went back and listened to it, and then it was just like you know the albums that are like growers. That was that was this for sure. It was almost like a conceptual album because nothing ever. Uh, it, it, one song would just tie into the next. If you haven't checked it out, Ben, I swear it's a it's a really great record. And okay, yeah, it, it competes with um, things today. Either you know, too, it's like there's a lot of screaming, but there's a lot of like musical technicality parts too. Not even with the, just the drums, just with everything all together. But I think it paved the way for a lot of bands that are either still doing it or out there today. Like they were one of the first bands that did like the stupid fucking, uh, you know, the swoop haircut and like they they wore the tight black skinny jeans and, you know, the tight, you know, small shirts and all that stuff. Um, and had like tattoos and just like, you know, really skinny people playing out of big, you know, amplifiers. And I don't know. I just, I thought it was so rad back then. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I started listening to it and I was like, man, this drummer is just playing so many complicated things. I don't know where his brain is. And so I really tried hard to, uh, I still even kind of mimic some of his stuff, but I mean, I try to throw like hi hats in the fills like before, you know, maybe I go to a crash or something. That's kind of like my signature thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Anytime I like do a fill, I try to incorporate a hat before just going straight to the crashes. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so he, he does a lot of really technical things and he was my first outlet. I mean, seriously, they, he would do even his ghost notes would matter into a song, but I mean, it's, it's just pure chaos. There wasn't really any kind of like, it um, wasn't any kind of like structure you know, to, to, to some of their songs. But um, yeah, I think it's a really great band to check out. And then some people found out about, about them because of like, you know, video games, maybe maybe it's like Tony Hawk pro skater or some, or some shit, but they're like, not that kind of band at all. But I mean, they, let's put it this way. The album was so influential that like this band broke up, you know, not that long after putting this record out that there was such a demand that they got back together. And then when they got back together, one of their first like appearances was at like a Coachella or something, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, I think they're, I think they're really great. And they all went off to do like other, other bands and whatever, but I just, none of them for me hit as hard as refused. And I, I mean, I, and yeah, I think this is the only refused record. I I listened to the one after this one again, you know, every, everything circumstantial, maybe you're at a certain point in your life, you know, where, where you write something, but like the, the, the later refused was, was not for me. This, this was definitely for me. (laughs) So, um, yeah. I guess you you could take it away, but yeah, just just some of his drumming is just like absolutely fucking insane. I All think right. later on they grew up, they grew up like wanting to maybe become more like of an indie band mm-hmm. per se. They want they maybe they turned into hipsters, I guess. So, but this is like kind of like hardcore mixed with like some punk elements. So there's there's a lot and there's like there's like techno stuff in there too. It's really it's really weird. It's really it's really interesting, man. Telling Yeah. played it in like a like a G. You have to listen to the whole song to really get the whole thing, because he just goes all over the place, you know?
0: Dude, this would be so fun to play live. Are you kidding me?
1: But yeah, here, keep listening. Check this out. There's some, some stuff you have. You have to listen to like way more of it i mean it's a long song but
0: i'll i'll go as long as you tell me to go man okay keep
1: going this part coming up little things ready
0: I would be surprised if some like brushwork
1: comes out. <laughs> There's some songs that like it'll be like chaotic and then there will be like an upright bass that comes in a little bit and is some does some jazz things. He goes back into like an aggressive part. Check that out if you ever get bored on, on a drive. You know, if you're just laying in your bunk at night, you can just be like, you know what? I'm going to listen to this
0: out. 100%. Yeah, trying to go to sleep. Let me just listen to yeah. just the most aggressive music. <laughs> Hey. Yeah.
1: Just, yeah it, it's great, you know? But there, there's like orchestral parts in there. There's like whole dude, it's it's such a great record. And it I feel like uh it's it still holds up to the test of time. That's just me though, you know.
0: No, oh, it sounds great. I mean, I just I I appreciate good sounding records too. And that one yeah. Was,
1: yeah. What's what what's weird is that like I you know, I don't play anything that's that's even remotely what I listen to sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but I mean I'm showing you things that like I just I got started on not not so much what like, I I listen to now but these are the things that like shaped up my drumming so well i mean i don't listen to a lot of
0: stuff too like i was saying at the beginning but if you were to play along to that record your right hand technique to go quick with one hand would be flawless yeah. if you played along to this that you right. could then bring into a different genre so it's just it all it all helps each other out right number 5 and i'm excited to talk about this one cuz this is i love this record so much it's uh, the fury of and it's the artist is the Aquabats. So the Fury of the Aquabats released in 97. This song
1: choice is super rad. And it's uh, Travis Barker. You know, when, when Travis was a punk rocker, I'm just kidding. That was kind of a dig. I'm, just, I'm joking <laughs> now. When he used, before he was a Kardashian and when he was a punk rocker, he, yeah. you know, what I know about him is he grew up kind of like in, uh, in Riverside. And he was like really in the marching band stuff. But I, dude, he basically took his own style and put it into punk rock music. And he changed the game for, like, a lot of people, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the the story that I know about him is that, and I, I think I actually witnessed this firsthand, is that, like, um, you know, Blink-182 put out that record Dude Ranch, and he wasn't on that, and that was kind of their record that paved them into popularity. But then once they put out the record Enema of the State, then Travis Barker was on that record, and then from there on, like, Blink-182 became this, like, technical, powerful band. Mm-hmm. And then it became more of, like, maybe The Travis Show, because... You know, no disrespect to Mark and, and and Tom, but like, they're not technically on the same level as as Travis on on their own instruments.
0: I don't think anyone would disagree with you on that. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's that's my own opinion. You know, yeah. me um, here. Yeah. yeah, but like, but I was gonna say, like, um, when I saw the Aquabats a long time ago open up for Blink One Eighty Two, it was like this thing called the Snow Court Tour in like '98, and I got I got introduced to the Aquabats, and I thought I, I was like, wow. These guys dress up like superheroes and then play ska and punk and they they have like horns and what the fuck. Like, this is like, this is a really crazy band here. And they were extremely popular in Utah. So that's that's where, you know, that's where I grew up. Mm -hmm. That's where I went to shows and that's where everything happened. But when I heard this record, I mean, even today, the drumming still just like, uh, it holds up, you know, and he threw every possible thing at the, uh, what, what, what's the expression you throw everything at the kitchen sink? You know, yeah. he is, he, he is just throwing everything he possibly can while still accommodating to the song. And so, um, there, there was a moment in time, I don't know if anybody knows this. So I actually got asked, asked to, uh, fill in for the Aquabats. I was going to ask for you some about reason, that. Ricky, yeah. So Ricky, for whatever reason, he couldn't, um, he, there was like three shows that he like wasn't able to do, but then at the 11th hour, he was like, I could do them now. And so I learned like, dude, I learned like 20 songs or something like that in like a week. I was just like cramming them in and the most difficult ones to learn. Even, yeah, Cause like, again, I try to do everything perfectly by the record, you know, sure. And then once I have it perfectly by the record, if the band doesn't care, or there's something that like, I would rather do in place of it that I think I could do better than I'll do something else. But most of the time, dude, I try to stick to like, what's, what's on the recording if I'm being hired for something. Yeah. So, you know, there is, You know, um, there was a lot of I was I was I was contemplating between putting either the song super rad or cats cat with two heads on it because there's some gnarly parts on that song, too. But they're so subtle that you wouldn't even like know it. That's the thing with Travis's drumming is that like he just adds things. And then when you try to, like, listen or learn, then it sounds diff, Then it's actually difficult, but it doesn't sound difficult. I -hmm. think that's that's kind of like the best kind of drumming (laughs) to me to me. And anything that sounds like you can do it, but you actually have to take a lot of practice to to get there. So, um, uh, yeah. So anyway, I found the Aquabats through just, you know, friends going to shows and all that stuff. And again, it was like the, the Aquabats were like so big in Utah. So, um, they were the band that everybody liked and I would, I would just check them out. And so I only got to see Travis play with them one time. It was them, the long beach dub all stars, which was like sublime after uh Bradley and the well passed, and then blink and then primus headline. <laughs> but wow. I, wasn't, I wasn't really there. Yeah. I wasn't really there for, um, for for Primus, you know, I was there for all the other bands, but I stuck yeah. around, you know. I'm so, pretty um, sure yeah, that so, didn't didn't
0: Travis recently play with them for Feldman's like uh, Long Beach Festival? Yeah,
1: I, he I think he sat in like on a on a song or something. yeah yeah that sounds great, you know. But uh, I D K my band I D K how we opened up for the Aquabats, um like when we first got started, you know they just they just asked us because I you know I had been. And, you know, I was in another band that went on tour with them. And I kind of told them about this band. They're like, Oh, you guys, you guys, you guys, music sounds great. Like, why don't you open up for us? So we did like a little run with them. Um, I think one of them also knew down. So it was kind of a uh, kind of an easy thing to just get thrown on the show because of all those factors. They even helped us, they even helped us shoot some of our first music videos. So I was just gonna say, I, I have a lot of history with, with those guys. But um, what I was gonna say is yeah, the the, the, the drumming from Travis Barker—that's what made me really want to start getting fast. And then and then when he went to Blink One Eighty Two, then I tried to learn you know of the State, which is the record that did everything for them. Um, yeah. I gotta ask
0: you. So when if, when you were gonna uh, sub in, did they would they have given you a name? Did you have a name picked out?
1: Probably just Ryan Seaman. You know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> like, like you know, like the C and like the Aquabats and the yeah you know, yeah yeah. I don't know. Maybe sea power. I don't know. I don't know what they would have called me, Um, but they did, you know, they did give me, they did, they gave me two costumes. They gave me the belt. There's a belt you have to wear. Oh yeah. I was so excited, man. I was like so pumped to do it. And it was like two days before Halloween. So, you know, your boy went as the Aquabats for Halloween. I remember I was at a a party and someone was like, man, that costume looks like seriously real. And I (laughs) was like, well, (laughs) like if you only knew. That's so authentic. Yeah, exactly. We're super homies. Um, you know, we we keep in touch a lot. Christian is such a great guy, the singer. Dude, you'll you'll play with him eventually, man. You know it's gonna happen. Maybe, maybe not. You know, the the drummer they have now, Ricky, he's really great, but he's been in the band for like twenty something years. Because before, I was in this uh, punk band called the Assorted Jelly Beans, I don't know, I don't know if you remember them. No, but they were like a, uh, <laughs> yeah, they were like a fast like you know, punk rock thing from like Riverside as well. And okay. they, uh they would tour with bands like strung out or they would tour, you know, they tour with like a lot of like the fat Wreck stuff. They were always like an opener. Uh, yeah. On, on, on. But yeah. So I don't know. It's just like the, the Travis stuff that I was having to learn was so hard, man. Like even oh, today I made a, uh, I mean, I, I made like an Instagram video. videos like, Hey, I learned, I learned some stuff for the Aquabats. Like this is one of like the songs that at Travis Barker wrote. And so like Travis saw it, And then he gave me the, uh, he gave me one of these signs on Instagram. (laughs) That was at the, uh, the devil horns, you know, the devil horns, whatever. So he saw, he saw I could do it, but I tried to do it like exactly like he would do it, you know, even back in the day. And I'm thinking like, man, when he was recording that album, he must have been like in his, uh, very early 20s, if not like late teens or something, you know? So I wish I had marching band in my school. That's what, that's what that all makes me really wish. I, they they just didn't offer it because if if they did, I would have been in it. You know, who knows what I could have been. Were you ever in marching band ever?
0: I was in marching band, but it wasn't like we weren't. Um, I mean, I grew up in a little town in Washington state of like a thousand people. So we had a marching band, but it wasn't like a rudimentary, you know, yeah. we played the most ba- we played like Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I was like, duh, 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 duh. It was, you know, yeah. nothing crazy. So <laughs> I wasn't in drum line, but I did have to carry a oversized, you know, snare drum around town for no reason. So,
1: right. Okay. Yeah, I
0: wish I had that problem. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um it's probably why I have a bad back now. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, my shoulders are killing me as we're talking, thinking uh, about it. All right. Well, but, let's let's uh let's play super red. Yeah, let's do it. So clean. Right. Again, there's there's another song I wish I would have chose if we were just talking about technicality and showing off a a drummer's you know showcasing his abilities or whatever. But uh, I can play it if you want to play another song, man. There's no rules. Just just to humor me, try uh, "Cat with Two Heads." Even in the beginning, the drums are gnarly, man.
0: This is what I'm talking about. This, like, disco thing he does. It's insane. And that's ninety-seven, so I would assume that's that's to tape. So I don't think there's editing. That's he sounds like that.
1: Yeah, like that's it's wild, right? So I mean, again, Travis Barker ahead of his time, you know, and he's and he's still crushing it. I don't even know how old he is now, but um, he's got to be in his late forties. I would Pass say yeah, because Mark just turned fifty. You know? I know he's Mark's a little bit older, but yeah, right. Man, God, and he, he's still, he's still like crushing the social media game. He's still doing like all of it, you know.
0: Yeah no he's he's more relevant than he has ever been. Well that's your top technically 6 um and you did mention some honorable mentions unfortunately we don't have time for those but you did say Enemy of the State um everything which is by blink uh everything sucks by the descendants life in general by MXPX which is that was a huge record for me as well yep. um worship and tribute by glassjaw I mean so many things I'll actually put your uh honorable mentions in the show notes so people can go Great. check them out um I know you just got done with a tour with joy wave, a co headline tour with, uh, IDK. How is that how you, yes. uh, abbreviate it? Yes. Okay. But yeah. So if people want to, I mean, do you guys have any other shows lined up? I know you're not on the socials that much, which is amazing for your mental health, but if people <laughs> want to contact you, have them, uh, if they want to say, Hey, to Ryan Seaman. How do they get a hold of you?
1: Just all things at Ryan Seaman, just on Twitter, Instagram. Um, some asshole had at Ryan Seaman on TikTok, So I just added a, uh, a four three five in there for my my hometown, you know. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. To, to bring back my roots. Hell yeah! Uh, dude. Yeah. So humble. I mean, I'm not really yeah I'm not really on TikTok all that much um because I'm like you know almost forty years old so <laughs> yeah um, yeah um but yeah so that's that's basically it man um I think for now like we're just uh, we we have a new record ready to go but we just have to go like record it so that's that's the uh, that's a word on the street. And so I'm um, probably gonna be dormant for the rest of the year, but then you know you might see me pop up and do little things next year. So hell yeah, yeah. dude, do you know who the producer is yet or is that all secretive? you don't want to talk about it? Um, I don't really know I know we're talking to a couple different ones and they're they're, they're pretty big names in the in the like alternative world but uh, yeah. That's, that's all that's all I could really say that's for, the best now, answer right you know? there <laughs>
0: yep
1: <laughs> well I
0: am gonna actually I'm not gonna say bye to you because I believe I'm actually gonna record your podcast which is uh, Ryan Seaman and Friends hosted on Adobe Radio
1: yes and that airs every single Thursday at 8pm uh, Eastern 5 o'clock Pacific and then uh Sometimes the Adobe radio gods will uh, put the put the actual podcast up on like Spotify and Apple Music afterwards. So it goes live on Thursdays, but then usually you can just find it like on any, you know, outlet that has podcasts. Okay. So Ryan's friends on on everything.
0: Hell yeah. Well, I will talk to you in a second then, but I think that's all it we're doing uh, for this podcast.
1: Yep, sir. So
0: I'll cool. pretend to say goodbye.
1: All right. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, Appreciate dude. It.
0: And that's the show. If you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, so it'll get bigger and better, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for BigFatSnareDrum and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX audio editor. It's amazing, so go check that out at isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye.